Hi, this is Dr. Katherine Logan. I'm a sports surgeon in Denver, Colorado, and welcome to the Injury Report. I'm here today with my physician assistant, Bridget von Boxtel, and my athletic trainer, Alex Becker. Today we also have Dr. Gavin. Dr. Gavin is a doctorate of physical therapy. He's also a strength and conditioning coach. Today he's going to focus on the overhead press and how to make it safe for patients and clients alike that have shoulder dysfunction or shoulder pain. He's going to take us through how he assesses clients and how he prescribes exercises to get them back to lifting overhead. So welcome, Gavin. Thanks for coming in today. Why don't you start by giving us a little bit about your background, how you got interested in physical therapy, and how you eventually transitioned to Denver and worked at uh, Active Core. Okay. So uh, my name is Dr. Gavin Uncinco. Um, I work at Active Core Physical Therapy. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, orthopedic clinical specialist, and certified strength and conditioning specialist. Uh, so I did my, my schooling originally in Thousand Oaks, California, where I studied uh, human performance and exercise physiolo physiology for my undergrad. Um, and then I went to doctorate of physical therapy school down in uh, in North County, San Diego, in this town called San Marcos, California, uh, at the University of St. Augustine. And I worked down, you know, I worked down there for about five, or actually four years after graduation, um, in Temecula, North County, San Diego, um, at an outpatient orthopedic physical therapy clinic. Uh, and then after that, decided, you know, I wanted to get a little change in scenery and moved up to central coast of California in San Luis Obispo. Um, beautiful small town up there. Um, worked at another smaller um, orthopedic um, uh, clinic uh, that was closely associated with Cal Poly uh, San Luis okay. Obispo. So I got to work with a yeah. lot of the, uh, the athletes that were there. Uh, and then, you know, after a while, you know, just growing up in California for 30 years, I just kind of decided, like, you know, <laughs> enough of this stuff. Time to get out of this state. This, like, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sick of being warm. <laughs> I just wanted something new. So, yeah. yeah San Luis Obispo, I, I, it's a beautiful area, very outdoorsy, nice small town feel. But when you're a guy that grew up in, you know, Los Angeles, you kind of miss some of the amenities of the city. So, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I wanted a nice little mix of the two. So. Yeah. My girlfriend and I decided to visit Denver after just one visit here, even though it hailed on us. Really? Um, <laughs> we decided, like, you know, this place is awesome. Let's give this place a shot. So uh, did you come right to Active Core? Yeah, so when I started looking for jobs, one just kind of stuck out to me. Um, that's where I currently work right now, Active Core Physical Therapy and Performance. They, the biggest thing that drew me in was the one-on-one -on -one time that you get with a, with a patient for an hour. So the previous five years, I've worked in a lot of busy outpatient practices where, let's say, the patient's um, visit was scheduled to be an hour, but we would only see them for maybe about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes at the most. So not to say that those clinics weren't effective and we didn't get any, you know, anyone better. I just felt like it was a series of getting people to 80% of the time. 80% of like what their goals could be before the insurance, you know, adjusters would look at the notes and say, oh, they're good enough. They don't need PT yet anymore. And now we just kind of release them to the wild. And you get burnt out too. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think at my peak during, um, 
during my orthopedic residency. In one 10-hour day, I believe I saw about 40 people. Yeah. 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 And that's including evaluations that were 30 minutes yeah. or, you know, yeah. That's how it was. I used to do, um, like, in the final two years of Providence Medical School, I used to, because I was taking my prereqs and everything, so I would try and work these 12-hour days to get my hours in. <laughs> and it was the same sort of thing. And it was like, you would get these bonuses, like, if you saw more than 35 or 40, I can't remember the exact metric, but you would get, like, $15. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, it wasn't, like, <laughs> but I was like, yes, I agreed on getting my $15. But, yeah, and then by the end, you're just, like, you're just burnt out. Exactly. And I, I noticed that, too. Like, I'm very passionate about the field of physical therapy. Um, and after, you know, working four to five years, it, I just thought to myself, like, this isn't what I envision physical therapy to be. Yeah, I was seeing some active populations, but I just felt like I, I wasn't I wasn't working to my full potential to help them out. Right. And then, so when you come to a place like Active Core, is there a totally different philosophy? Was there a lot of training? How does it all work? So, they I, I believe that they picked the right team. So we they found individuals that put the patient at the center and you know gave their their undivided attention but as far that's as far as the philosophy goes i think the what's at the base of that is just being a great physical therapist to be honest like you just have to be good for your patient but what they added there or not what they added part of what makes active core different we use a certain exercise modality called a red cord system so it's a suspension based um exercise and evaluative um, system that we use where we could find somebody's neuromuscular imbalance of the patient. Um, and it, it's a little bit different than what you'll find in most like traditional orthopedic settings. The body, I always tell my patients this, the body is too small for its own good. You're always going to find ways to compensate. We put you on an unstable surface. There's no hiding behind that. We're going to find out where some of these true imbalances exist. So at Active Core, all of us are uh, specialists using our, our red cord um, system. Okay, cool. And you guys have been on that. What do you think? The red cord system was pretty fun. <laughs> it was really hard, and all my imbalances were found in it. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, I put you on, on yep, yeah, the hardest ones off the bat. I was sweaty. I was warm. Yeah. <laughs> you look athletic yeah, I think you could do these things <laughs> <laughs> it was hard but by the end of the treatment I already felt better with mm-hmm. this one treatment yeah. so I, I can see the benefits to it for sure yeah yeah I think it's a good way to to work on I think the most important thing for physical therapy is progressive overload getting someone back to that prior level of where they were or where they need to be but not everyone can tolerate traditional exercises. Sometimes you just have to take gravity out of the equation. One, it, gives, it builds confidence for them that they can actually do an exercise that they can stick with. And two, it, it's a relatively pain-free environment, so you can deter them from really pushing hard. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you got into like what you're doing now. With, like, because you're doing, you're working with some athletes who are lifting pretty heavy. Yeah. Right? So I have a special interest in working with. Um, lifters mainly crossfitters right now that's kind of i guess like my flavor of the year i've exposed myself <laughs> to to multiple styles of training i think three years ago i was i was in the triathlons two years ago i was in the boxing last year i got into powerlifting and then this year i i decided to dabble with crossfit 
So because I, I like to use myself as, you know, experiment n equals one. So I like to, you know, just just how I train, I, I, I want my patients to, to understand, like, I know what they're, they're going through as well. So I've been working with, um, with crossfitters, powerlifters, or just people who are just into general fitness. Um, I think that there are just a little bit of misconceptions that, that exist with that community. You always hear the story of, oh, lifting weights are dangerous, CrossFit's gonna get you injured, et cetera, et cetera. So since I'm on both ends of the spectrum, I'm a physical therapist who also happens to do these things, I feel like I could help bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, just try to, try to, you know, just decipher some of what are that, some of that confusion. Like if people are just gonna look up on Google and just read the first thing that they find, like, oh, is CrossFit dangerous? Most of the time it's yes, but that's coming from <laughs> people that don't truly understand the sport. Well, I also think it just, it, it varies. You know, yeah. you go to a place that's got great, you know, leaders and people who teach responsibly, mm -hmm. and it's a really positive experience for people. And then, you know, you get into an environment where, you know, you're working with folks who don't have a lot of background and, you know, maybe aren't as, like, tight with their technique and things like that. And that's where, yeah. you know, the injuries come from. It's not from the actual, you know, exercises mm -hmm. that are prescribed. It's just... You know, are people that are going in, are they too new and are they properly supervised? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I agree 100%. I think it's not the philosophy. It's it's like you said, like, are, are you ready to engage in this type of exercise? And I think that's with all exercise. The injury rates for lifting weights is actually lower per 1,000 hours compared to running. But yeah. people don't, don't really react that way. And you talk about <laughs> running. I, and I, I have the same message for people who run. It's like running is not, people try to run to get fit, but I tell them running is for the fit. Yeah. You, <laughs> have to, you have to meet the certain criteria to, to safely engage yeah. in those things. That's a good way to put it. With the CrossFit, is it that you saw a lot of um, issues with the shoulders that were kind of brought you into like doing like different modifications with like um, the different kinds of lifts? I think uh, what I noticed when I started training in CrossFit that it was very shoulder heavy. This, I, I've trained at three different gyms and I, I kind of noticed that theme where they, I don't want to say they because I'm like, I don't want to like separate us, but <laughs> a lot of times it was like a more is better type of approach. Um, so, you know, just using a little bit of like, you know, the PT background, you, you kind of know the shoulder is inherently unstable. And one of the most common things that you'll see, um, whether it's like recovery or just like when someone has pain, especially in the CrossFit gym, you'll see them start to mobilize their shoulder with bands, like use the cross balls to try to like loosen things up. But when you take a deeper dive in that, you start to realize like, okay, the reason why it feels tight is one, maybe the programming is off. You're just doing way too many overhead lifts and that's why you're constantly feeling tight. Yeah, it's like if I were to run a marathon like every week, I'm always <laughs> gonna feel tight. Um, and another like, and then another thing is like, there are because the shoulder joint is inherently unstable. People aren't aren't training the stabilizing muscles that they need to perform these overhead activities. There's a lot of handstands for gymnastics, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of overhead pressing or Olympic lifts. 
So we want the big. We want to train the big, sexy muscles. We want to train those like those movements that look really cool, but there are those prerequisites. You don't you don't learn how to run before you walk in the fall. That's 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 kind of what it is. Fair enough. Um, so you were starting to say that you've noticed a little bit of difference gym to gym. Like, mm-hmm. is it also community based like difference? Like, do you find the energy is different in there, or is it really just you know technique difference? I think it's community. I think that's a, the biggest draw to CrossFit is the community more than anything. Um, the first gym that I, w- I was at in, in San Luis Obispo, it was very casual. Um, I think technical-wise, they weren't as experienced, um, but they didn't push the limits. The next gym that I went to when I first moved um, here to Denver, they were, I, I think there were a couple of them that went to like the higher level competitions, like regionals when those existed. Mm-hmm. So they were pushing the limit a little bit more, so technique wasn't there, but they were trying to, they were trying to, to try to create like the fittest athlete. And the place where I'm at right now, I think it's a little mixture of the two, where you have a nice casual community, but you have some people that are excelling, so I think they're, they're the perfect balance. But I think anytime you have a place that is pushing performance, there are injuries that are gonna happen. That's just the, the nature of the sport. But I think what really drives me to work with this population is the community. We want to be in there in the gym. We want to be there with our friends. If I miss a day, I have, you know, I have who's also a client of mine and a friend. She's texting me like, hey, wait, where, where were you at 7 o'clock last <laughs> day? And I, I, I want that because yeah. that, to me, that's that's the most important. In all reality, not all of us are going to go to the games or any of us are going to go to the games. We just want to continue to stay fit for a long period of time. So it's all about creating that longevity. So talk about, so obviously today we're focusing on the ho- overhead lift. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you see that people are doing well out in the community and what do you see are like it's horrifying to you okay so let's start with <laughs> horrifying I, I think that sticks out to me a little bit more um, so when when I guess like we do a lot of Olympic lifting if for those of you who don't know what that is it's the snatch and the clean and jerk at the clean and press so it's a very explosive overhead mm-hmm. pressing movement I think people get caught up with how, like I said, how sexy that movement looks, that they just throw form to the side and they just want to get that weight overhead by any means necessary. So one of the most common compensations you'll see, when the bar goes overhead, you'll see people arch their back a lot. Yeah. So that's just telling me, okay, like one, they don't have control or they just don't have enough mobility in the shoulder that they have to compensate like that. Other times, people will press the bar slightly in front of where the plane of their head is. So if I- anytime you lift heavy weights, you have to respect the barbell. You draw a straight line down from the barbell, that's where that barbell path should stay for it to be the most efficient. And you want your body to be directly underneath that. When I see people who don't have like adequate strength, technique, or mobility, other than the arching in the back, that bar is sitting little bit more in front of them so they're more likely to miss that lift or they just kind of muscle it up like using using some muscle that they really shouldn't be using overloading their pelvis for example i feel like the idea of having the bar like more anterior like just sounds painful like it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and if like 
I like it. You would think that the bar would drop because yeah. it's so heavy in front of them, yeah. but <laughs> somehow I don't something. know. Yeah. Something's <laughs> getting up there, and like when you're guessing, like okay, how is that up there? You know that that is not correct. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you start if that person is at active core and they want to be doing those heavy lifts? What are you starting to look at? Because you're looking at the lumbar spine, you're looking about how much they're extending. What else? Mm-hmm. So it, it really depends on when that pops up. So I know you all do the, um, the FMS testing or mm-hmm. the overhead squat. So the overhead squat is the exact same um, movement like an overhead snatch would be. So a lot of time with these, you know, w- with these types of patients who have trouble or who have pain in their shoulder when they're snatching, one thing we actually, that's overlooked is the ankle. So we always want to make sure that we take up the whole body approach. Like if I continue to stare at that shoulder without looking at the mechanics of their lift and, and their, and their functional movement, I'm gonna miss miss it entirely. Yeah, their shoulder will feel better when we treat it, but it's not really getting to the root cause. So, one thing we always make I always make sure that I look at just unloaded functional movement. Like, okay, how can you lift your arm overhead? That's the number one prerequisite. If you can't lift your arm overhead, you shouldn't lift the weight overhead. Yeah. Um, and then I I'll look at the thoracic spine, the lumbar spine, just for general mobility, and then I'll look. Do my manual muscle tests and my stability tests um, using our red cord system and some, you know, just some other um, orthopedic tests that we learn in physical therapy school. But I think with this specific population, I have to give them some load. So I'll give them a barbell or a kettlebell to lift because that may make the movement look better or worse mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes they need that external, um, that external feeling, but a lot of times that becomes worse. And I think that's. That's where some people, I feel, get caught up where you'll automatically assume that if a movement unloaded looks bad, it's going to look worse when you have load applied to it. Um, but that, I don't think that's always the case. Like me, for example, when I get into a front squat position, you put an empty bar on my arms, like it looks terrible. You're gonna, you're like, <laughs> I look like the most awkward person in the world. But you put some weight on there, like, oh, it actually looks good because I just needed that little external yeah. input. Yeah, my mobility could be better, but I think it's that's not really the red flag. I think the load's going to improve that anyway, but that's it. Do you think that's something that you start to better understand after using red cord, or do you think that's something that has nothing to do with that? I don't think it has um, as much to do with red cord. I think red cord will find some of those those imbalances that contribute to that. Mm-hmm. But wh- when you load a barbell or when you just look at something under a load, you're seeing how that, how the stability or lack of stability presents itself with that specific functional movement. Red cord, I think, will get you, um, will find like some of those underlying instabilities with most body weight stuff. But under load, there's a certain technical aspect there that I guess doesn't get picked up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what type of injuries are you normally seeing from your overhead surgery? Let's see. So after that, um, after I gave my um, my little workshop. Yeah, that was a good workout, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I have you know one of my CrossFit um, gym members is actually there, and then (laughs) then I'm seeing him for his shoulder after that. So he he was interested about that. Um, I have knees and back. So I think that's just, that's kind of, I don't know if you see this on this side, but that's typically the most common distribution. Knee, shoulder, low back. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you walked us through your evaluation a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then is there sort of a stepwise approach when you talk about like how you're going to return to the list after like someone's sort of been injured and they want to get back to it? Like, is there different phases of like, okay, we're going to start with this and then that, or mm-hmm. is it really individually based? I'll say it's individually based, but I think a lot of the times they all follow a very similar pattern. Um, I think the most common trend that I'll see there, first thing, we always, I always, I always want to make sure that they have adequate mobility, right? That they need to have full shoulder range of motion to lift the bar overhead. Second thing, start building up some scapular stability and strength, um, looking at mid-trap strength, low-trap strength, and then cervical anterior, which I think is one of the most overlooked muscles, mm-hmm. but in, in addition to, you know, having adequate low shoulder trap strength as well. So once, once we get those baseline, um, those baseline measurements, then we start adding, we start adding a little bit of load. So for me, it, the way it progresses, you, you train them so you get a good neurological stimulus, you get those muscles to start waking up. And then once they consistently show that they're, they're adequately firing, then you start adding hypertrophy on top of that, and then it transitions to a little bit more explosive power and strength build. So speed and power are always the last components. But when you're returning someone to doing these on their own, it just kind of depends. So if they're a CrossFitter, we're going to follow that, that pattern. If they're just a recreational lifter who just likes to lift overhead and just training for hypertrophy, we're skipping the power and just yeah. Do you find that in the community in Denver that there's a lot of people really gravitating towards power? Uh, I think what I noticed when I moved into Denver, this is like the fittest city that I've ever lived it's in. crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so most people here, um, you know, even like my, non, my non-athletes, my non they just have some sort of like competitive edge to them. Yeah. So they, they want power a lot of the times, which I don't mind training with with them I think it's good for everyone to have a, a little bit of power in the tank so if they show me that they can do it safely then yeah by all means I'm not going to try to limit you if, yeah as long as you're doing it safely there's no concern we're good to go yeah I think it's crazy the type of athletes you have around here whether you know they're just triathletes or they're mountain athletes mm-hmm. whatever it might be or like your traditional sports but it just makes me think like this one time we got our force mat to lululemon mm-hmm. you know so we're just in cherry creek you know just assuming that we're going to be testing people on you know squat and yoga kind of type postures and things like that in that store and it got crazy competitive like fast oh, yeah. and then you know there's these <laughs> you know it's like because you can do the vertical jump on those and I mean, it was pretty insane, like, how, like, some of these athletes that were, like, working at the store, and were just, like, Lululemon ambassadors, and, I mean, it was impressive. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So, as you're progressing through both these injury states, is there an intercourse of modifications that you make to the lifts, or how are you, how are you modifying? about like CrossFit as a whole since that's kind of like where mm-hmm. my focus is on right now CrossFit is designed like based off of like functional movements and all of these movements can be scaled up or down just depending on the needs or the capabilities of the individual so if someone you know has trouble pressing a barbell overhead 
you could try switching to a dumbbell or a kettlebell or something because that allows a little bit more range of motion. Or let's say overhead is just painful, then immediately modify that to be a bench press or a push-up. So you'll get you'll still get the pressing stimulus, but you're not going to go into that stressor that may be bothering you. And not to say that you want to sit, you want to stay with that scale type of workout the entire time. You get, you use that time to calm stuff down, but on the back end, you have to do your correctives to to be able to to gain that overhead you know ability again. Yeah, I think, you know, we get a fair amount of military guys that come into the practice and, mm-hmm. you know, they're coming in oftentimes with like a tendinopathy and something that just needs to calm down. It's not so much that there's this big surgical indication, but, you know, they want it, you know, they're big guys, they want to keep lifting. And so we're always talking to them about, okay, here's like how you need to, you know, ultimately you have to, you know, get to the heart of the problem, whether it's like a scapular weakness or... Yeah. Their posterior scapular muscles are not there, but obviously everything in anterior is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but in the meantime, yeah, <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, they can modify their grips and say, okay, you know, if you're benching, we want you being narrow. You're going to hit your triceps more. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same exercise for you, but it'll allow you to keep doing it. You know, and you're not going to be inflaming your shoulder the same way. You know, mm-hmm. so you're sort of doing these like active reps. Yeah. Um, so it allows them to keep doing things because they're not going to stop doing things. Oh, yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you're saying, okay, but you also have to get to the root of the problem. Exactly. And I, I'm glad you brought the military because, like, you can't tell those guys no. to stop. Like, yeah, they have to. Yeah. And I think people who engage in, in, like, these fitness classes, whether that's CrossFit, Orange Theory, or any, any of those, like, group style fitness classes, they have a goal to get fit. Like, and I like that. Yeah, there there are chances that you'll get injured, but I think the bigger picture is you're avoiding, you know, you're pushing off like chronic disease. You're you're pushing off like diabetes, obesity. To me, like yeah, keep pushing those guys away. But I think that's worse than some tendinopathy like like in your elbow. So I want you to continue to stay fit as long as possible. So we'll get you that training stimulus, but you just have to modify this. And I think that's where it's it's good to have these relationships with coaches um, so that they essentially, like they're essentially in charge of them when they're there. So if we could communicate with the coaches effectively, then, you know, they know, you know, not to push this specific individual. Right. No, fair enough. Um, As far as how you learn more about these types of modifications or just like doing overhead lifts safely, like how did you do that and what would you suggest to others? So I, I think being your like if if you're a in the health you know if you're in the health and wellness field I think that you just have to be your own test subject you have to know how these things feel in order to adequately um, you know educate your your clientele so one exposing yourself um, as a PT one thing that helped me learn more was actually getting my CSCS or my strength mm-hmm. conditioning certification. You have to look outside of your field of vision in order to learn where those gaps are. So diving into um, you know the strength conditioning field, participating in CrossFit, powerlifting, and you know following different coaches programs, the, the Olympic lifting techniques, looking at those things and combining your knowledge of biomechanics I think is the most effective. On the other side, it's just the exact opposite. If you're a coach, if you're a, you know, just a recreational athlete, I think find the information. If you don't know where to go, find those 
professionals that are talking specifically about your about what you like to do. So find a you know a doctor, a physical therapist, chiropractor. It doesn't matter if they are into your sport. Find out a little bit more information from them. Try to talk to them a little more because I think there's just way too much information out there on the internet, good and bad. These experts that are out there that exist, I think they're going to be the curators of that information. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think there's always a lot you can learn from developing mentors and, you know, when you're going out to new gyms or meeting coaches and, you know, there's just a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing I always um, say is, you know, as I was like going back to school and, you know, it's like each year as you get along, you realize that you don't know anything. You know, it's like you start out thinking you know a lot, you know, and then Mm -hmm. like each year in your practice or going back to school, whatever it is, you're like, wow, there's so much more out there Mm -hmm. and there's so many more viewpoints and, you know, whether it's like the surgeon's viewpoint or the coach's viewpoint and like what's important to them and how do they, you know, see like a program's importance? Is it more about like the performance or is it more like skill driven or is it more power driven? You know, everybody's Mm -hmm. got their own viewpoint of what's the most important thing. So I think you know, kind of understanding other people's viewpoints and collaborating just helps you. Yeah. Right? I think it helps formulate, like, your your unique thought process that works. I think I agree completely. The more you the more you learn, the more confused you end up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think ba- you have to base it on your experience, the experience of others, to just try to find, like, what is what works best. And you can't be... And, once you find out that formula, you can't be stuck in that formula. You still have to be fairly open to, one, the person in front of you. Like, every person presents in their own, you know, unique way. But even though, like, they have very similar presentations, they're still their own person. You always have to take that into account. So what do you think's next for you? So you're saying, you know, triathlons, and then <laughs> what's your, do you think you're in the CrossFit for a while, or I think you have more that you're I interested think CrossFit in. CrossFit will be uh, will be a good part of what you know of how I train right now, just because there's so many different movements and I like I love the variability there. Um, I, that's that's honestly the athlete that I've always been. I've never really excelled at anything. I've just been good enough for a lot of different things. <laughs> um, so I, I think CrossFit is going to be around for a while but the, I think one thing that I'm interested in trying since I'm not here in Colorado would be rock climbing um, I may have to drop you know a couple of pounds to be a little bit more efficient <laughs> to do that but that's something and you yeah. know getting those back guys are the real lean <laughs> oh my gosh oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if I could if I could hang for that long my grip strength can't no. can't pull me up <laughs> did you see free solo I did and even though you know what's going to happen it's at the end. It's like, it takes your breath away. Yeah, it's still nerve-wracking. Yeah. I knew he was going to live, but I, I <laughs> still... Oh, my God, I don't get to watch it. <laughs> you will be fine. You will still watch it I know, and I think know. it might happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was very stressful watching that. And that's, I think that's actually what um, prompted me to, to, like, maybe pursue some rock climbing. We watched, my girlfriend and I watched that movie, and then I think it was two or three weeks later we went to indoor rock climbing gym. Yeah. I could not grip my water bottle the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, I wasn't using my legs enough because I was just so stressed out that I was just death gripping the rail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. And it's, you know, I, I've done it a limited amount, but, um, and more so when I was up in Dell. But it, 
you know, it just, it's also, it's a totally different mental exercise. Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of a cool part of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think just exposing not only like your body, but like if you expose yourself to all these different types of stimulus, it's like you, you it, it changes like your perspective on things. It's a good mental exercise. You kind of know how to zone out. And I think once, I think that's probably why I kept changing like my activities. Cause once I got to that point where I felt like I was in autopilot, I wanted to do more. Yeah. You want to challenge. Exactly. No, I think it's really neat. Like I think, yeah. you know, we went to your, um, talk recently and it, you know, it's powerful stuff. Like I think it's what we're about here where you, you don't want to shut people down. You don't want people to just, I don't want to be the person who's always telling them no. You know, I want to figure out another way that they can do it and then work on those building blocks that they're sort of missing at the same time. So it's a little bit more of like an act of rest. And we always tell people, like, even if it's after an ACL, like, you can go to the gym, you can lift your upper body, you can do your core, like, go in your brace, go in your crutches. Like, it's just an imp- too important part of people's lives. And you are pushing away those other things. Yeah. You know, and there's a huge mental component to not being in the gym, not working out, not being in your community. You know, people just get depressed. Yeah, no, I completely agree there. Uh, and I think, um, sorry, we're a little bit zoned out right now. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> I do that to them all the yeah. time. So I'm like, there you go. Uh, it'll come back, like, probably on, on my way home. Or <laughs> call, okay. back on. Yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say there? Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thoughts over. Thoughts over. It's fine. We're keeping it. Um, No, I think, I mean, we loved visiting. We thought it was Mm -hmm. pretty cool. I thought uh, I'd heard of the Red Cord system, but I'd never actually been on it. So Mm -hmm. we had a lot of fun. And it really, you know, it kind of just shows you something about your body that you can be working on. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely definitely great having you guys there. And I'm, this is my first time, you know, checking out your guys' facility. It's really cool. We think so. Yeah, it's like no, a little I different like for a doctor's office. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I was an undergrad, like I spent, I don't even know how many hours I spent like looking at the performance lab. So just looking yeah. at like the bio like the biomechanical testing and looking at like the different like cameras and the joint yeah. angles. Like I, I love that stuff. And it's crazy to see how much that's progressed since yeah. I was an undergrad. <laughs> yeah, because when I was an undergrad I did exercise science. So yeah. that was sort of when I initially got exposed and it was like, you know, underwater like, mm-hmm. you know, testing in the tank and like all this everything was like twelve cameras and super complex and you want to do like one test subject and it would take you all day. Oh, yeah. You know, it just it was a lot of work and it was really cumbersome and now it's like, you know, we're trying to build it in a clinical model and mm-hmm. you know, so far so good. So and I think that's great. So I I think one of my one of my biggest things is how can I empower the patient? So when they when they're able to see the exact numbers and they're able to see the objective measurements on the screen right in front of them, it kind of motivates them to get a little better because it, it's that competitive nature. I don't know whether that's yeah. true in Colorado or for mm-hmm. everyone. Like I want to I want to be better than that number on yeah. the screen. I think like data, data, data. Like I've yeah. always been like a big data nerd, and this is just like it, it just you know, the writing's on the wall when you see people looking in, they're like, what's that number supposed to be? Or what's like a normal mm-hmm. sort of spectrum for like varus valgus or something like that. And, yeah. you know, and then they see they're not there and, you know, they're pissed, Yeah. you know, and they, <laughs> it just, it lets them go back to their therapist and mm-hmm. say like, 
I got to work on this, and then they're motivated to do it. Whereas if you're just sort of doing your typical, oh yeah, you know, we've got a great straight leg raise, you know, it's oh, just yeah. like it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because that actually made me remember what I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. All right, tell yeah. us. We're waiting. So <laughs> when when someone sees like the objective measurements, it it kind of puts the ball on on their court, so they are more motivated to you know, to get better, like, there's no more excuses, there's nothing, like, they can't blame, like, no. you know, like, other practitioners for why that's happening, it's like, when, I wrote, I wrote the original article before I wrote, before I did my workshop, um, answering the question, whether overhead pressing is bad, it takes away from the overhead press as the villain, like, no, yeah. overhead pressing that's bad like it's your bad mobility, right. it's mobility. Like, th this is on you okay yeah you it's can't, not the movement it's not the <laughs> movement exactly so when people see the, the the data like that's like right in front of them like no this is this is on me i need to get myself better yeah. to yeah this is you know, possible the numbers. Yeah, exactly. for sure no i think that's that's really good advice and that's a really good way to put it yeah no we're excited for you i think you know you have a it seems like a really growing kind of following at Active Core and you know working with CrossFit is huge in Denver and there's a lot of people that I'm sure could benefit from you know what you have to offer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think likewise you guys have an amazing setup here. So. We like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't thank you enough for, yep. for having me on this podcast and also just yeah. attending my workshop. Yeah, well. of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, it was good to see familiar faces out there, so like I could just keep looking like a yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> you took away some of the stage fright. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, you know, the community in Denver, like with the, um, you know, all the physical therapists, and I'm sorry, like my texts keep going off all loud. I have to like, what do you make that? Do not disturb or yeah. disturb me. On the volume on your phone. I have no idea. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> something to figure out another time <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah no great community and you know we're really happy that you're part of our community so thanks so much yeah, thank you so much for having me on here so that's it thanks to gavin for coming in and sharing his expertise on overhead lifting and specifically working with the crossfit population so we've put some stuff up on the website, so cloganmd.com. If you go under the injury report section and find Gavin's podcast, you'll see some attachments and some articles based on the topic and other things we discussed today. Thanks again for listening.